The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. In the spring of each year, whenever I was in high school, our school offered two sports for guys. That was baseball and track. And I couldn't hit a ball to save my life, but I was fast, so I ran track. Now, that's a sport you kind of have to warm up to a little bit. And I, I began to warm up to it. I began to enjoy it a little bit more when I saw how it focused on individual aspects of athleticism. For example, the sprints, they showed speed, and distance races revealed endurance. Uh, hurdles displayed agility, and then also the shot put was about strength. So you kind of bring those together, and track would put on display these major components of athleticism from speed, strength, endurance, and agility. Now, while I enjoyed the sport, it was not because we were any good. In fact, we were bad. Um, I spent my first two years of high school at a private Christian school, very small school, and we competed against other public schools throughout the state. So whenever there was a track meet, they would kind of show up in a couple of buses and 50, 60 kids would get off the buses and they had all of their gear. And I mean, they were looking sharp and we pulled up in the church van and all seven of us stepped out onto the field. And, and just so you know, it's not that we just dressed out our seven best. We dressed out our only seven so we would get out there and we would try to compete, but one of the most embarrassing events that we were part of was the 440 relay. For those of you who uh, don't know, that's basically four people, they are running around the track, they're spaced at 110 yard intervals, and basically the first one takes off right when the gun is fired, and they run to the next one, hand off a baton, hand off a baton, right on down the line, and whoever the first team is, is the one that wins. So that's basically what happened, but remember, I had a little bit of speed, so I was always anchoring. I was the last guy on that relay. So when we would get out there for this track meet, that starting gun was fired, and the moment they started running, I could already tell we were in trouble. By the time the first handoff came, we were at least 7 to 10 yards behind the rest of the pack. By the time the second baton was handed off, we were at least 15 to 20 yards behind the rest of the pack. By the time the third handoff happened, the one that was coming to me, we were a solid 30 yards behind anybody else out there. So I took it and I came around the corner of the track and literally it looked like I was doing 100-yard dash all by myself because no one else was around me. Everybody else was way up in front of me and I just ran like I stole something right on through the finish line and I just wanted to go back out to the van. I mean, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to stop. You all might imagine it's a little difficult to be cool with the ladies when you got beat that bad. So uh, there was definitely no numbers being exchanged after we got through racing. But it was interesting because our coach would tell us before we ran. He would say, guys, you're not going to win, but you have to at least try. He knew we were bad. <laughs> hey, that was back in the day before everyone was special. Okay, that, that was back when a coach, if you were bad, they just said you're bad. Now, let me prepare you for how bad it's going to be. So he reframed that moment for us, and it was actually a really good thing. He said, guys, again, you're not going to win, but you need to try. He said, you're going up against much bigger schools. They got a lot more talent to pull from. A lot of these guys are only going to be in one or maybe two events, but you're going to be in five to six. He says, it's not a race against you versus them. It is a race against your best. Go run your race. 
I was like, man, that's pretty solid advice. Now that I look back at it as an adult, it kind of reminds me of that moment within the movie Chariots of Fire where there was a guy who was a really great runner and he did a lot of winning, but he went through this streak where he was just struggling to compete and he, he hated the feeling of losing. So he told his girlfriend, if I can't win, I won't run. To which she replied, if you don't run, you can't win. Christians are constantly caught in that same tension because of failure in the past, because sometimes of problems within the present. There's a lot of people just kind of refuse to run the race anymore. Some people are worn out. Some are upset. They've become disillusioned within the Christian life. They thought it was going to be one thing, turned out to be something different. Some people don't run because they're upset with another Christian or another church, or they might even be upset with themselves. Some people don't run because they just don't feel like they're going to be able to win. But this is what the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain the prize. Run that you might win. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the importance of emotional and spiritual and physical health. In week one, it was about stress. We can't avoid stress, but we can reduce stress. And that's okay because God can use the remaining stress for good in our lives if we submit to him. The second week was all about rest In the pace of life, as it gets faster and faster, we need to downshift a couple of gears, and we also need to be able to establish cycles of rest. Not all the time, but sometimes our exhaustion is the culmination of habitual disobedience. God has been very clear, but we've continued to bypass his teachings on rest, and as a result of that, we get worn out. Today, we're talking about running. Yes, Christians are are called to handle stress in a biblical way. Yes, we are called to rest, but that doesn't mean that we're called to do nothing. As Christians, we've not been called to be spiritual isolationists, to be New Testament hermits, where we just kind of separate from everyone and everything, but rather we've been given a message, the gospel message, that has to go out. We've been called to take the message. Christ has commanded his followers that we are to serve each other. He's also taught us that he's going to use our gifts for his kingdom endeavors. So we have to run a race. The question is now one of balance. How do we run the race well so that we're not being exhausted constantly? How do we run the race well so that we take in the stress and we avoid other parts of stress and we're using this in our lives and God is using it for our good and for his glory. Where is the balance? How do we run the race well? I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles today. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews 12 will be in verses 1 through 3. I'm speaking this morning on running well. Running well. So let's read verse 1 and following. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not 
grow weary, and lose heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would allow the Spirit to guide us in this moment. May the truth of your word jump off the pages. May we be able to apply it and see where you're speaking these truths into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Anytime we enter into another book that we study, it's always good to take just a moment or so and kind of look around, get the lay of the land, find out what the book is all about. So the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish followers of Christ who had started the race well, but because of persecution that came from following Christ, they're now considering whether or not it is worth it to keep going forward or should they return to traditional Judaism. They're asking the question, is following Jesus worth the price? Is it worth it if you lose your property? Is it worth it if you lose your job? Is it worth it if you lose your relationships? And for some, is it worth it if you lose your life? So the writer of Hebrews is writing these believers to say, following Jesus is worth it. Keep running. Because with Jesus, he offers better hope and better promises and better sacrifices, a better covenant and a better country. It is worth it to keep following Jesus, keep running the race. Now, our text is found directly after a chapter that's been referred to as the Hall of Faith. Chapter 11 focuses on Old Testament believers who they ran their race well, but it kept saying over and over again, by faith, by faith, by faith. They faced opposition, they faced trials, problems, issues, but by faith, they kept running the race well. These are some of the heroes of our faith because they are witnesses of the fact that God is faithful, that God can see us through. So let's stop there for just a moment. If we properly understand chapter 11, that means whenever we're going through very specific things, we have someone to look back to. So, for example, if God has you on a crazy mission that no one other than God understands, that's okay, because Noah could testify. He's been where you were. He faced that trial, and by faith, he kept going forward. If God has called you to leave your community of safety and follow him into an uncertain future, that's okay. Abraham could testify. He's been in the same place, and by faith, he kept following and ran his race well. If you have been hurt by your family, and they turned their back on you, and they said things that they should never say about you, that's okay. Joseph could testify, because he's been in the same place, he experienced the same thing, but by faith, he kept running. So chapter 11 is basically about all of these witnesses. Now look at the first word, chapter 12. Therefore, in light of everything that was just described about all of these others who have run well before you, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, so there's, since there's so many who testify of the faithfulness of God, he says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews is basically saying, just as the saints of God who came before you, you too have a race to run. Just as much as they ran that race by faith, you too are to run your race by faith. Just as much as God was faithful to them, God will be faithful to you. Keep running. So here's our question. How do we run the race well? This is your big idea, and we're going to break it down right after I share it. Here's the big idea. Running well involves the right perspective, 
the right actions, and the right focus. The right perspective, the right actions, and the right focus. Let's break those parts down. So what is the right perspective? This is also in your notes. The right perspective is that by faith, others have run well before you. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, did you all know that we are creatures of motivation? We need incentive to do things. We need encouragement, especially when things get very difficult. And the writer of Hebrews is just going through, and he's paraded these men and women of God before this group of believers to basically say, if God saw them through, he can see you through. If he got them through the problems and trials, he can get you through the same thing. Because it was by faith that they opposed Pharaoh. It was by faith that they crossed the Red Sea. It was by faith that they shouted down the walls of Jericho and conquered kingdoms and shut the mouths of lions and quenched the power of fire and received back their dead by resurrection. It was by faith. But remember, acting in faith does not mean God will remove you from the problem. Because the whole second half of chapter 11 is a scary section. Because it said some of them were tortured, some were mocked, some were scourged, some imprisoned, some stoned, some were sawn in two, some were left destitute. So acting in faith does not mean that God removes you from the problems. Faith simply enables you to run well. The motivation of verse number one is very simple. If God did it for them, he can do it for you. If he was faithful to them, he will be faithful to you. Now, there's been some confusion as to whether or not this cloud of witnesses are basically onlookers who are now looking into your life. It's like they're, you're running the race and they're in heaven. They're looking down and like, hey, there's a cloud of witnesses. Or whether or not they were former runners themselves who set a great example. The weight of evidence here would move towards the latter of those two. That it's not that they are onlookers, but rather they are great examples of people who have run the race by faith. The question that all of us are going to have to deal with at this point is whenever you're in a difficult time, and whenever it doesn't seem like things are working out, and whenever it seems like a lot more problems coming than blessing, do you believe that it's enough to walk by faith? Do you believe that he is enough to show you through? Sometimes you literally have to sit yourself down and have a good talk with yourself. I mean, sometimes you just got to sit there and say, God, I don't feel good. I don't like this. I am upset. I am bothered by this, but you're enough. God, I don't see a way. I don't see where the finances are. I, I still see the sickness. I still see the problem, but God, you're enough. Sometimes you just have to, by faith, go through and say, is it enough? That's, that's the big issue. Is it enough? Because remember, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 reminds us that our protection from the lies of the enemy is the shield of faith. If he can get you to drop the faith, it leaves you open to the attack of the enemy. So running the well, it involves the right perspective. But second, it also involves the right actions. So what are the right actions? Look at this second part in your notes. The right actions is that runners take the necessary steps to win. 
You ever notice that runners are disciplined people? I mean, they, they prepare before the race. They, they usually eat well. They train hard. They do what's necessary to win. Your, your best runners usually are going to have someone coaching them and motivating them so that they run further and they also run faster. A serious runner would never think about entering a marathon after six months of doing nothing, wipe the remnants of a Big Mac off your face, and like, let's just give it a shot. That's not how runners operate. Runners are, are disciplined, they're focused, and basically what we find in, in this section is the writer of Hebrews is saying, these are some right actions if you're going to run the race well. And the first of those is he said, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. This is probably the most difficult of the three that he mentions. An encumbrance is just a bulk or a mass of something. An encumbrance is not good, it's not bad, it's not necessarily evil. An encumbrance is just heavy and it's bulky. So for our understanding, we need to see the problem is not what the encumbrance is. The problem is in what the encumbrance does. It weighs you down so that you can't run the race well. When it comes to spiritual things, an encumbrance would be something that diverts your attention away from Christ, something that saps your energy, something that might dampen your enthusiasm for the things of God. Whatever that is, it would be an encumbrance. Now, serious runners avoid extra weight at all costs. They don't want to take anything bulky with them. They don't want to take any extra weight with them. They travel light. They, they wear small clothes. They have little light shoes. In fact, sometimes you watch the Olympics and you're thinking they got a little too little on. They're, they're traveling a little too light because sometimes you might think you need to put on some more clothes, which by the way, first century, you know, some of the runners ran naked. I'm not encouraging you to do that just so that you know that can ruin your testimony right there. So don't do that. But the focus here is run lights. There's certain things we just don't simply need to have with us. So what would some of the encumbrances to this audience be? Well, we don't know the specifics, but we do know a part of their story. And that is, as they are Jewish followers of Christ, that means that they've come out of a traditional setting of Judaism. And now they're facing opposition because of Christ, and they're wondering, should we go back? So for them, an encumbrance might have been the temple, the ceremonies, the, the regulations, the do's and don'ts of Judaism. It, it might have been that they were holding on to their idea of the preferred future that was ahead of them. It might have been that they were also upset because they thought God should do something else. Whatever it is, we find that an encumbrance does not allow you to run well. So he's saying, lay aside every encumbrance. Now, I've spent probably two, maybe three months studying this text. It was one that God brought up in my devotional time. And as I would study the text each morning, I'd go back and there'd be different things that God would kind of bring out. And one of those things is that in prayer, I asked God, what are the encumbrances in my life right now? What are the things that are not helping me run well? And might actually be weighing me down along the way. Now again, these are encumbrances in my life. It's not necessarily that they're good, they're bad, they're evil. These are just things that God revealed in my life that do not help me run well. Might be the same for you, but I'm just throwing them out. First one he brought up 
is excessive time on social media. The next one, excessive time watching TV. The next one, worrying about the perception of others. The next one, worrying about finances for future needs. Now, that's just a sampling of some of the ones he brought up in my life. But if we're to pause and just look at those, there's nothing inherently evil about social media or TV. There's nothing inherently wrong about wanting to do your best. There's nothing inherently wrong about wanting to make sure that your family is cared for with future needs. There's nothing wrong with those things. The issue is, if those things are sapping my energy and draining my strength and diverting my attention away from the race that God placed before me, it's now become an encumbrance in my life. It's not helping me run the race. And by the way, we have not been promised tomorrow. We've not been promised a future. What we have is right now in the present. So if my mind is now worried and stressed out about something that might happen 20 years from now to the point I can't run the race well today, it's an encumbrance. And he says, lay aside every encumbrance. Now, those are some out of my life. Yours might be different. Here's another right action for those who are running well. That is, lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. All sin is bad. We know that. All sin will interfere with you running the race well. But here, it seems like there is a very specific sin that's being mentioned because it is the sin. So what is the sin that so easily entangles us? Well, based on the context of chapter 11... Based on the connecting word, therefore, in verse number one of chapter 12, based on the fact in, in verse number two, Jesus is referred to as the author and perfecter of faith. It would seem as though the sin that is being mentioned is the sin of unbelief, the sin of not trusting God. That is, unbelief entangles our feet so that we can't run. When we doubt God's promises or when we doubt God's word, it is easy for Satan to keep us from running well. Please notice the word easily here. That is, the encumbrances and the sin which so easily entangles us. It's not hard to get entangled in these things. Here's the last of those right action steps, and that is, it is running with endurance the race set before us. We are to run the race before us. Now, there's going to be similarities for every single child of God, every follower of Christ. There's going to be some similarities in what your race will look like with every other child of God. And that is, all of us have been called to pursue Christ in intimacy. All of us have been called to know him at a deep level. All of us have been called to make disciples. All of us have been called to use the gifts he's given us for the expansion of his kingdom. That's across the board for all of us. But there's also some very unique parts about every person's race. Everybody has been gifted differently. Everybody's been given different experiences, different opportunities, different passions and desires. So a part of you running your race is also seeing what is the race that God placed before you. Let me just kind of show you how specific this is for me. I ask the same question again, just as much as I said, God, what are the, the encumbrances in my life? I also ask God, what is the race that you've called me to run? Here's how it's very specific to me. 
first part that came to my race is that God has called me to love Bria as my wife and love my two girls, Shana and Kaylee, well. That's unique in my race. Another part that is unique within my race is God has called me to be a pastor right here at Life. Everybody doesn't have that same calling. That's okay. Another part that is unique in my race based on how God has wired me and how God has gifted me is I have a desire to write and to teach and to proclaim truths about the gospel, truths about discipleship. That's, those are things that are about my race. So the question for me has to be, what am I allowing in my life? What are the encumbrances in my life that allow me to not run that race well? Where in my life has unbelief not trusting God began to set in so that I'm not trusting the promises of God so that I'm not running my race well. And here's the other side of that. I have to look at what's my race. You've not been called to run my race. I've not been called to run your race. But rather, how are we running the race that is set before us? Did you all know the word race? It comes from a Greek word, agon. It's where we get our word agony. That makes sense, doesn't it? A statement that the Phillips brothers have shared with me over the years, that is Deuce as well as Matt, is they've shared it and it makes so much sense. And that is, there is no greater feeling in the world than to stop running. Okay, that's, that's just, it makes sense because it's not comfortable. Running is agonizing. The further you go, the harder it is, okay? So there's a part of this race that we know from the very beginning is going to be demanding. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be agonizing. It requires endurance. And that's why he said, run with endurance, the race that is set before you. Endurance is that steady determination to just keep going. It means when everything around you is wanting to quit, you keep running running the race. So how do you keep running the race? When everything inside of you wants to quit, when you're worn out, you're tired, how do you keep running the race? He told us 21 times in chapter 11, by faith. It doesn't matter who the believer is, doesn't matter what you're facing, it's by faith that you keep running the race. So ask God, what is the race that he set before you? How do you run that race with endurance? So we've seen the right perspective. We've also seen the right actions. Now let's finish out by looking at the right focus. The right focus is that runners stay focused on the prize. Verse number two, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, it, it means to look or to trust in. It describes an attitude of faith, not just a moment of faith. But also notice, Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith. This is a journey of faith. It is a life of faith. It is a race of faith. He, he's referred to as author. Okay, that speaks to the fact that Jesus is the chief leader. He is the chief example. Then it also uses the word perfecter. It's the word that we come out to, to completion. In fact, it was the same root word that Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished, to telestai. It is completed, it is done. Now you might say, why is that important? Because let's say you've got a musician, a composer who is writing an amazing piece, and somewhere within this piece he dies. 
When he dies, the work would be over, but the work is not done. In this, Jesus is now referred to as he is the chief example of faith, and he ran his race to completion. It was finished. It was done. The people in chapter 11, they're great examples of faith, but they are not the chief example. We are to remember how they ran, but we are to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Our eyes are to be on him. And by the way, if our eyes are focused on Jesus, that simultaneously means they're not focused on us. They're not focused on other runners. They're not focused on the circumstances. They're not focused on the past, on the problems, on the fears, but rather they are focused on Christ. Jesus is the prize. Look at what it says in verse 3. Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word consider it is a word of calculations. It's a meaning of to compare, to weigh, to take account. In order to keep running, it, the text is telling us you need to consider Jesus and what he endured for you. You need to take into account what he did and what he endured for you. Why is that important? Because if we take the time to consider Jesus and what he did for us, that means anything we're going through will pale in comparison to what he has done and how he ran his race. That's how you keep going. Did you notice that our ability to not grow weary and lose heart is linked to, are you considering Jesus and what he has done? Are you remembering him and what he has done? Because if you're fixing your eyes on him, if Jesus is the prize, then that means your 401k is not the prize anymore. That means your name on that office door is not the prize. That means your recognition is not the prize. That means that having a paid off house is not the prize. That means your current safety is not even the prize. That means that Jesus is the prize. And that's how we keep running. It is because we are running by faith. We are considering him and considering what he has done. And as we do that, it's like God begins to renew us and to restore us and to remind us what this journey is all about. So bring it back together. Running well involves the right perspective, the right actions, the right focus. Others have run the race well before us by faith. We are to run the same race by faith. Running well involves the right actions. That is, we are to lay aside every encumbrance we are to lay aside the sin of unbelief. We are to run the race that is set before us. And finally, it's the right focus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We consider him and what he has done. And as we do, we do not grow weary and we do not lose heart. So here's my question for you on this holiday weekend, three-day weekend. Are you running your race well? What are the encumbrances in your life right now? Do you even know what your race is? And are your eyes fixed on Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you today that you would allow us to be able to clearly process through some of those thoughts. God, help us to run the race well. That we don't sit on the sidelines and just let life pass us by. But that we engage 
where you would have us to engage, that we run the race that you set before us. We keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We lay aside anything that doesn't allow us to run well. We lay aside the sin of unbelief because we cannot distrust you and walk in faith at the same time. God, help us to run well. In Jesus' name, amen.